Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Welcome to CBS Audio's Eye on Veterans. I'm your host, Phil Briggs. I'm a Navy veteran, and every week I get a chance to look at the issues of the day through the eyes of my fellow military vets. This is the news and stories about the veteran lifestyle. This is I on Veterans. Now this hour, we've got guests sharing incredible training and job opportunities in everything from high-tech training that will teach you how to build custom apps to industrial welding, machining, and fabrication. Literally, programs and job openings for the jobs of the future. But before we get to all that, I want to talk about some breaking news that happened over last weekend and carried throughout the week with one of the biggest veteran-owned brands in America, Black Rifle Coffee Company, and how many of their core customers are saying the coffee makers trashed them in a recent New York Times article, which was titled, Can Black Rifle Coffee Company Become the Starbucks of the Right? But just how did the conservative founders, a Special Forces veteran and former Army Ranger, incite this customer riot by saying that they hate racist, proud boyish people? Well, luckily here to help me sort it out and describe his recent opinion piece, The Great Vet Bro Coffee War of 2021, is former Army Ranger and Special Forces veteran himself, Jack Murphy. Jack, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you, Phil? I'm good. And uh, yeah, wow. Total S show, I think, describes what we're witnessing with what Black Rifle Coffee, arguably one of the most noticeable brands in the veteran space, um, got into when it decided to do this New York Times article. And uh, you wrote about it. Uh, let's start with the who, what, where, when, and why of this entire situation. Yeah, man. So 
we're talking about Black Rifle Coffee Company, which, as you mentioned, Phil, is one of the biggest veteran-owned companies out there. They have a huge voice, a huge platform. Uh, when they speak, for better or worse, love them or hate them, they have a, a power, a gravitas to them. And it, they, in many ways, they do speak for veterans and speak for the veteran community. And that's how civilians see it oftentimes, is that when they say something, that they're speaking for all of us. They have grown bigger and bigger over the years. They've been highly successful with a lot of viral marketing, a lot of like explicit in your face. Uh, some people would call crass humor. Uh, but hey, good for them, right? You know, it's a veteran owned company. They hire other veterans. They sell to veterans by any yardstick. They've been wildly successful and, and, you know, good for them. People ask us why we have so many guns. I just tell them, how about over 200 years of freedom? Instead of worrying about microaggressions and what bathroom I'm going to use, I believe it's important to support the people that actually serve our country. I've heard people say patriotism is racism. Well, as a veteran-owned company, we give zero about your opinion. I always found it funny, but I, I've called it in the past a celebration of being an 18-year-old ranger living in the barracks and getting drunk on Coors Light. <laughs> Uh, that, that's basically what it is. And uh, I, I get it. I live that life, you know, but when I see right. those, when I see their ads today, I'm like, okay, I'm not really the customer they're looking for. I mean, I'm 38 years old. I'm a grown man. I'm a dad. Like this seems like it's to appeal to 12 year olds. But again, you know, the, the marketing works, you know, it does right. appeal to a certain audience. And I guess that's what we'll, we'll talk about a little bit today. The New York times now did an interview with them. And they basically said a couple things in the article, which we're going to unpack here, which were considered horrible, basically crapping on their own customer base, saying they don't want them, that they don't want their brand to be hijacked, that in Black Rifle's defense, they're talking about people that are racists and anti-Semitic. Share with me your thoughts on the New York Times article. The New York Times Magazine, which is like their Sunday edition magazine insert into the newspaper that goes out all over the country, they got the front page. They got this huge feature. It's like a 7,000-word article that they sent photographers and journalists out there and did a whole profile on the company. Like This is the kind of media access that you literally can't buy. The New York Times essentially did a fluff piece for them that, from my point of view, is to pave their entryway into mainstream polite society, into the corporate boardrooms. Because, you know, Black Rifle Coffee Company, as we mentioned, it's always had this very sophomoric uh, sort of branding as a veteran company, a pro Second Amendment patriotic veteran company. Um, but in order for them to get bigger, and they are getting bigger, they make like $170 million a year. They're opening brick and mortar shops around the country, and I'm sure they want to open many more. They need some more mainstream appeal, more than they, than you're going to get with, you know, bikini girls and AR-15s. I mean, the the you need a little bit more than those gimmicks to kind of launch yourself into the into mainstream society if you want to compete with a company like Starbucks. And the New York Times really helped them with that. They wrote a very what is uh, you know essentially a very positive piece about Black Rifle Coffee Company that yeah they're a, a right leaning veteran owned alternative to Starbucks is basically what the article says. I mean, it's great coverage for the coffee company, but within it, uh, the CEO uh, made a few comments about 
politics, which the company has been very political and they've wait, they've waded into politics many times and, and they've waded into the culture wars many times. And so, of course, the New York Times journalist asks the CEO directly about some of these things. And I think the CEO, Evan, uh, makes some pretty candid comments, some pretty I, I think they were genuine off the cuff kind of comments that, to my mind, were not controversial. But to many of Black Rifle Coffee Company's customers were extremely controversial. Yeah. And uh, the controversy didn't originally begin with this New York Times article. And in fact, some of some of this wading into the culture war waters began even back when that Kyle Rittenhouse kid uh, uh, at the Black Lives Matter protest uh, involved in the shooting, of course, um, was released from jail. He you know, came out and there were pictures of him wearing a Black Rifle Coffee Company T-shirt, uh, thus looking very bad, the optics horrible for a company trying to achieve what you just spoke of for Black Rifle Coffee, uh, you know, to have this kid get out of jail, be wearing your brand. Um, and in the article that you just spoke of, you know, he said some pretty powerful quotes too, like uh, Matt Best, you know, former Ranger, uh, said that you can't let sections of your customers hijack your brand and say, this is who you are. Best went on to say, it's like, no, 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 we define that. And in the same paragraph, the writer goes on to say that the, you know, the Rittenhouse episode may have cost the company thousands of customers. And by thousands of customers, I mean, they came out afterwards with a couple different press releases. Uh, they wanted to uh, disassociate themselves with a photo that had gone around of Kyle Rittenhouse wearing their brand and some kind of QR code that they could redeem for a discount on Black Rifle Coffee. Well, they didn't like that. So, you know, they tried to put some distance between the kid and their brand. And people weren't having it, you know? A lot of their hardcore fans were like, oh, you're supposed to be two-way. This is a gun rights issue. You're all about coffee and guns. You should stand behind Kyle Rittenhouse. So it makes sense that, you know, they don't want somebody to hijack their brand and tell them what they should be doing. But Evan Hafer, also a former SF guy, went on to say that um, it's like the worst of American society. And I got to flush the toilet of some of those people. We could look at this a couple of different ways and say that, you know, this happened to them, not because of them. Or we could say that this happened because of their actions, because they were so forward in trying to be a coffee brand about guns, a coffee brand about uh, rebel nature and a coffee brand about, you know, the left and a coffee brand that was just so, I don't know. What do you think, man? Based upon not only his comments about this ugly core audience that he says he wants to get rid of, but based upon their actions over the years previously, do you think they brought it on themselves? I would not go as far as to say that, you know, they necessarily deserve this or, or this controversy that has come upon them in this particular instance. I do think that they have branded themselves quite deliberately as the mega alternative to ostensibly liberal coffee companies. They set out to be the conservative alternative. And we live in a time where there isn't much of a place for like H.W. Bush or Ronald Reagan conservatives. It is the MAGA party. It's the Make America Great Again party. It's the party of Donald Trump. Uh, we're just in a very different political landscape. So the idea that that, you know, that the, the owners of Black Rifle Coffee Company can have it both ways, that we're going to be the, the friendly, kinder, gentler conservatives. That's not really a thing anymore in a very polarized uh, country. And I think that 
you know, perhaps Matt Best uh, is a little naive as a creator. When you create things and you put them out into the wild, people will kind of seize onto them and they interpret them in their own ways and they do their own thing with it. As you know, as a writer, I'm very well aware of this, that people are not obligated to be nice to me or interpret my work in a way that's favorable towards myself. They're going to take it and they're going to do with it what they want to do. And they're going to they're going to project their own agenda upon it. But they created a brand that set out to attract. Let's call it what it is, the lowest common denominator, those people who are like, you know, 12 year olds who are angry and, you know, maybe they served in the military. Maybe they just kind of admire the military or wish they served. But they they went out, they set out to attract those sorts of consumers and they got them. All right. Just want to click pause on the interview with Jack for just just a second and uh, go to their Twitter feed here and look at any number of the posts from the last couple of days. Take this one. The top post, right? It's about nothing to do with really any of this. It's just a post for Black Rifle Coffee supporting another veteran-owned brand, and that is Coffee or Die magazine. And the post, a picture of guns in the magazine, and it says that Coffee or Die launches a print magazine, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Look down. 1,305 comments. Good light. He's got the cross, the American flag, and some other emoji as his name. I just canceled my subscription to Black Rifle Coffee. It's too bad. I loved your coffee. Uh, Revan JJ writes, Blocking people and trying to hide that New York Times article will just prove the point even more. Maybe apologize and keep your customers. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy making money from only YouTube videos. USA X Brad writes, Damn, been a huge fan of you all since the beginning. Buying your coffee, merch, and always watching the skits on YouTube. Even got you all on Spotify. Had no idea you all really thought like this. Disappointed. I know you all don't care, but peace out. Smee again writes, no support for Kyle, no coffee for me. Of course, that's referencing the shooter from Kenosha, Wisconsin, Kyle Rittenhouse. Just Via writes, just here to watch it all burn. Great premise, doing good work, serving the community, yet just couldn't help themselves from selling out for an NYT puff piece. Well, here's to your pink pistol rebrand or whatever you think will work to recover those sales. Good luck. Resist Fear writes, This Marine will never buy your coffee, and I will make damn sure my fellow brothers don't as well. Somebody writes, I'll take what do Jane Fonda, the Dixie Chicks, and Evan Hafer have in common for a thousand, Alex? And this one kind of sums up what a lot of people are saying. Kyle is in the right, but you'll learn from this. You go woke, you go broke. Mark my words. And as you can see, all throughout this Twitter feed, people are combining the Kyle Rittenhouse incident and people are not able to separate with this coffee brand. People are showing time and time again throughout this Twitter feed that it is not about coffee. It is not about hating racists for their customers. It's about their stance for Kyle Rittenhouse. And as you get deeper into the Twitter feed, so many of these people feel as though they're involved in some sort of war for the Second Amendment and that this brand, Black Rifle Coffee, needs to stand with them in this magical fight that they're having. I don't get it. I mean, I really don't. People, people in this space are pissed. 
Welcome back to CBS Ion Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs, and we're talking with my Special Forces veteran colleague, Jack Murphy, about his recent article, The Great Vet Bro Coffee War of 2021. It's about how Black Rifle Coffee Company started taking fire from their own customers on the internet after an interview with the New York Times revealed that they fervently disliked any racist or hate-filled individuals that were wearing their merchandise and what seemed like an easy stance to take became a trip hazard in the murky waters of the political environment today. And now what mm. they're finding out is that you can't have it both ways. You can't try to mainstream your company and get corporate access into mainstream society while also appeasing the mega guys. Like you just can't do it. So now they're, they're between a rock and a hard place realizing like, hey guys, you have to choose a side. Really, this shows, I think, a, like a sad fracture within their customer base. Like the Black Rifle Coffee customer that just is strong on Second Amendment, believes in gun rights and good coffee, you know, and a little bit of twisted humor. And then there's those that go even further to the point where, you know, they think we should overthrow the Capitol and we should storm down the doors. And like there's a revolution coming. And, uh, you know, from like just angry about the current administration or Democrat politics to the zip tie guy went in there with zip ties. He was wearing a Black Rifle Coffee hat. He's referenced in this article. What he said in that New York Times article is just he doesn't like racists. He doesn't like anti-Semites. He doesn't want them to be a part of his company or his brand. I respect that. But how insane is it that he now has to backtrack and apologize for that? And that there's this huge backlash against him and against his company for what he said was not controversial at all. And now he he went on, uh, who who was it, Dana Loesch with Matt Best. And they had to like play the whole, oh, the liberal New York Times is trying to sabotage us and take us down, my fake news and all this kind of nonsense. The new with the New York Times, who approached whom for a story? We get pinged by the New York Times. Hey, we're doing a story on you. Um, whether you like it or not, like this is what we're doing. And mm. uh so we kind of went around, we debated it for quite a while as to like, okay, do we just tell them to f- off? And, uh, sorry. Dan, uh, and for context on this too, a little bit, Dana, like yeah. the first thing when the guy showed up, Evan and I were like, how's that hit piece coming? Yeah. That was there. Cause you know, we were naive coming into this, but it was no. really a way of saying, Hey, can we show you a more holistic approach? We right. know that there's going to be misrepresentations of a company. We weren't sure which way. I mean, I, I was pretty nail in the head with how the story turned out. They're backtracking it by saying they took it out of context. There was the part of the interview where Evan Hafer says the racism expletive really blanks me off. Um, I hate racist, proud, boyish people like I'll pay them to leave my customer base. I would gladly chop all of those people out of my blanking customer database and pay them to get the blank out. Yeah. So the context of that conversation was about the direct attacks that the company had from last year that was representative against or from racist and Mm -hmm. anti-Semites. Uh, we were the recipient of an attack against a very organized group of anti-Semites because of my last name. Uh, and we were discussing racist and anti-Semite remarks right. in that portion of our society. So my quotes are taken directly from this is what I was referring to. The attacks, right. the, the inboxes being flooded, the doxing, the death threats. Right. That's what I was saying. I was saying this is the worst of our society. You know, Black Rifle Coffee Company and Evan both retweeted the New York Times piece. 
without without any rebuttals. It wasn't they did not have a problem with the article until they started receiving a backlash over the weekend. Before that, it was a okay. But then once they started getting this uh, this backlash, all of a sudden they're going around saying, you know, it's fake news or whatever. It's, you know, the liberal media is attacking us like, no, guys, you're not being attacked by the liberal media. You're being attacked by your own customers. And that's what you need to think about right now, that you created a monster and now you don't know how to handle it. It is so damn ironic that yeah. you have to apologize for that, because as you'd said just a moment ago, that's actually pretty damn noble to say, I don't want people that hate to buy my products. I don't want people that are in the Ku Klux Klan. I don't want those kinds of people to be part of my team. Yeah, there, it's there was crazy. Nothing, you have there, to apologize for saying that. There was nothing in that New York Times article that was taken out of context. There was no, there was no misquotes. There's no point that Matt Best or Evan pointed to in that article and said that specific thing was out of context and this is what it really means. It's like, no, it was in context. And now they're having to go and apologize for saying that racism is bad and trying to backtrack, walk it all back. And it's like, no, dude, this is where you double down. Like you have to be who you are and just say what you are and what you think. And trying to like go back and forth between these both of these positions, like it's totally transparent transparent and how obvious like the bullshit is at that point. You need to hire a professional strategic comms professional, a manager to handle all of this. And the CEO and the and the head shed in the company need to shut the hell up and just let the pros handle it. That's another great point you bring up. Uh, that's also in your article, The Great Vet Bro Coffee War of 2021. I'd like to look at the end here. We talked a little bit about the end game for Black Rifle Coffee. The end of your article, I found truly interesting because you spoke to the sins of both Black Rifle Coffee company owners, founders, and their branding. But then you also spoke to those raging against them. And I really liked how it ended. Um, It was basically a call to look in the mirror. Share with me a little bit about your thoughts on, on those that are raging against BRCC right now. Right. Well, it's a it's a big deal in contemporary America that our corporations align themselves with some sort of a political belief uh, that they have found that beneficial for business. And, you know, the New York Times article speaks to that as well. I mean, you see it with like Nike and they have these ad campaigns and they bring on Colin Kaepernick and all these types of people. I mean, I've I've spoken out in the past about the stupidity and, and the absurdity of having like green brands, right, that if you buy this product, you're helping the environment. You buy this corporate product. If you buy this corporate product, uh, you're supporting feminism. You know, it's like it, it's re- that's a really bizarre thing that I'm gonna buy this corporate, you know, product that is being sold, and that's gonna like make me feel good inside. Like, wow, I'm fulfilling my social obligation. I'm doing something right here, and that's what Black Rifle Coffee did for conservatives, uh, for many at least, that they could buy that and they feel good about themselves. I'm supporting the veterans. I'm supporting America. This is a company that loves our country. They're the polar opposite of these woke brands. Uh, And so you get your coffee and you get to feel good about it too, that you're supporting the good guys. Uh, But I, I think, you know, investing your identity, hedging your identity on a corporate brand is absurd because at the end of the day, they're just sort of co-opting an ideology to try to get your money. And that's all it's really about. I mean, when you buy that product, you're not really saving the environment. You're not really supporting second amendment rights. You're not really supporting feminism. If that's your thing, it's just corp. It's a corporate marketing strategy. And that's all it is. It's it's cynical. I'm sorry. Um, So 
you know, the point I make in the article is like, no matter what coffee you drink, no matter how strong it is, it's not going to make you a man. Like that's something that you have to do for yourself. And it comes from within and you live that life or you don't. And the, the clothes you wear, the coffee you drink, the beer you drink, uh, the type of truck you drive, none of that will ever make you a man. And these corporate products at the end of the day, uh, they're not going to be, you know, spiritually or mentally fulfilling for you in that sort of context. Um, they may be good products at doing what they do, maybe a good pickup truck, maybe a good cup of coffee. Um, but it can't satisfy that sort of ideological or spiritual or, or, or finding meaning in life. That's, that's one thing that a cup of coffee just can't do for you. And I think that's really a fascinating intersection and we'll leave it there because I think that that is where the on-ramp from lifestyle brands takes you to the culture war highway. And if you want to be irreverent, man, then go do that. But the t-shirt doesn't make you do that. It doesn't make you tougher. (laughs) You want to be tough? Maybe go roll on the mats and learn some jujitsu. You want to be tough? Maybe, you know, get in the gym. Uh, You know, you want to be a badass. There's more to it than just a product. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a form of moral courage that you stand up and, and you choose the, you know, you choose the hard wrong over the easy right. And that's something that Evan Hafer tried to do. He tried to stand up and say, hey, there's racism and anti-Semitism is bad. And I know, you know, my company is seen as problematic by some people, but hey, I'm not on board with that. That's not what I do. That's not what this company does. But then he, then he caved in. He caved mm-hmm. in and he started apologizing and trying to backtrack. And that's where we'll leave it for right now. You can find Jack Murphy's article, The Great Vet Bro Coffee Wars of 2021 at ConnectingVets.com. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com slash survey. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, early and ad-free on the 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. 
two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.